What's up, guys? Welcome to the Coach Fitz Podcast, where we simplify exercise and nutrition so you can get leaner, stronger, and become more energized. I'm your host, Brian Fitzsimmons. Let's get it started. Looks like we are recording. What's up, everybody? Welcome back for another episode. We're going to continue today with the Mythbusters theme. So today I'll be talking about if the gym is actually intimidating or not and what's really going on there. Um, If six to seven days of training or doing two a days is actually optimal for the best results possible and why every macro does not matter. So before we go into that, a little bit of the intro. Uh, If you haven't noticed, there is a little bit of a change from the past like one or two episodes, and that is the name of the podcast. So if it's not showing up on your end as the Coach Fits podcast anymore, that's why. Sorry for the confusion, but going forward, it is now Fitness and Nutrition Simplified with coach fits. So that way, hopefully we get a couple more people searching and finding us and we grow this community. And because I'm changing things up, I'm also improving things. I literally right before hopping on this podcast, just ordered a new camera, a new webcam camera. So hopefully that will lead to much better video quality. And the posts that you guys see is like little, uh, teasers that I put out on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, and all that, they will come in a lot better because right now, Zoom just ain't, it ain't doing the job. I don't know why with the way that it looks now, it looks fine. But when it comes through after downloading it and doing all that, just looks like shit. So yeah, hopefully that'll fix that. (laughs) And last but not least, a little personal um, improvement, I guess, a little uh, change in the regular routine is that I joined a mentorship or a certification, whatever you want to call it, like an eight-week surge, and it's with the Online Trainer Academy, and with this certification mentorship thing, it's going to improve my services going forward, so I'm very, very excited about that. And it's going to help, again, grow the community, get more people involved, and all good things. Cannot cannot wait to jump right in. Did the first homework this morning, and yeah, it's I, I'm very confident that it's a good investment. So, if you start seeing things changing up in the Facebook group, or if you're a current client of mine, there's going to be a few changes, but only improvements, not taking anything away. So. All, all good. Um, let's jump right in. Today, the podcast is a little bit rushed. I'm not going to lie. So I didn't do quite as much prep work for this, which could be a good or a bad thing. Who knows? We're just going to roll with it and see what happens. First topic is the gym being intimidating. Now, I think if I remember correctly, it was like Shape Magazine or something or one of those. And it put an article up saying like how the gym is intimidating and like you shouldn't even bother because everybody there's a jerk. They're looking at you, they're judging you. And it just is complete crap. You, you see, you hear a lot of this when it 
you hear the people in the space of body positivity and all that. And before going into it, I'm all for the mentality behind it. Like be, be happy with yourself, be proud of yourself, but that doesn't mean that you should feel like you can never improve yourself or you can never take your health and optimize it because that's what you see a lot with these healthy at every size people is, oh, you don't have to, you don't have to lose weight. You can be obese and healthy. And it's like, that's just not true. It's just a flat out lie. When you get into those heavier categories, like your BMI is past a certain point, it's a fact. It's not a matter of opinion. It's a fact. Your orthopedic stress, like your joint stress is way higher than a person with less weight. The chances for diabetes and all the complications related to that go up. Heart health takes a hit depending on your quality of food, which to get to that size, usually the quality of food is contributing to things like heart disease and other things like that. So as for being telling people, even if you're technically obese, you're still healthy, that's just a flat out lie. And that's where like people like the shape magazine or other people in that space, like they start the argument there and then they lead into things that are also not true, which is the, this topic, which is saying that the gym is super intimidating and you shouldn't go yada, 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 just makes everybody feel like a victim. And it's like, Oh, well, I don't have to go because it's such a mean place. No, the gym can be one of the most supportive places you can possibly go. And that. I'll say it does depend on certain gyms because if you go into like a powerlifting or a strongman gym, it will come off very intimidating because you're going to hear a lot of weights clanging and banging. You're going to hear people grunting. You're going to like see like monsters of humans in there. However, usually those people are just in a zone. And if you catch them between sets or before or after a workout, they are more likely than not some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Because what fitness people all have in common is everybody started somewhere. Everybody respects the journey. Or anybody that's actually done something of value, anybody who's really taken themselves from one point to another that took a lot of work, they respect the hell out of each other because they know how, how hard it is. And going to a gym with a bunch of people that have done that not only allows you to pick their brains and see what worked for them and like get some ideas, but it also provides motivation. You are literally seeing the potential after product and you are getting it straight from the source telling you that like your feelings are validated. Like when you are struggling, you have somebody telling you great job when you're like going and progressing in the gym. Like if you hit a new best or people see you putting in the work, like they're going to respect the hell out of you and you're going to be part of the club because there is one underlying thing at every single gym. And that's the people that show up consistently all kind of like, they might not be like super best friends, but there's also, there's always that healthy level of respect. Like you from experience, like the gyms that I've been in, some like that first month or two, people are kind of, they see you and you kind of remember them. 
But after like three, four, five months, you start getting nods or like you start getting like, how's it going? Like they remember you, they remember your face and you kind of are incorporated into that community. Now, if you take it a step further and you're a very social person, that could be, <laughs> that could be um, fast forwarded by months or days. Like if you introduce yourself and make it known that like you're trying to improve yourself, you want like you ask the certain people if they could help you out, like when it comes to technique or form or any of that, they are usually more than willing to impart their wisdom and knowledge because the one thing that a lot of fitness people want to do is tell you how much they know. <laughs> they want to tell you that they know the way and how they got there. And yet, like they're more than willing to share. <laughs> they're not going to sit back and judge you. They're not going to look at you and say, "Ugh, look at the shape this person's in, or they're not going to give you weird looks from across the room. The only people that ever do that are people that have never really seen success and that are judging everybody in the room. <laughs> and more times than not, those people are usually too focused on themselves 99% of the time. So you might not even catch them when you're, when they're judging you. So there's very little chance that anybody actually is looking and judging. And those that are, are weak, weak-minded people that don't deserve your attention. And you probably won't even catch them judging you anyway. So <laughs> there is no reason to be annoyed or be hesitant or avoid the gym for those reasons. And the other thing is, if for some reason they do say something or whip out their phone or try and film or whatever, that that is cue for the angry mob. <laughs> they actually have done, uh, I was listening to Mind Pump the other day and they were talking about this specific subject, which is where I got the idea. And they were talking about the, uh, what show was it? That show where they basically play out these fake scenarios, but in real life situations. So I think it's called what would you do or something like that? And there was one where they were in a gym and these girls were like fat shaming this one person. These were actors. They didn't actually do this, but they were setting the scene and seeing how the real people would react. So they're calling this person names and everything. And every single time somebody in the gym came up to them and they're like, what the frick is wrong with you? Like, get the hell out of here. Like, so, and that's not uncommon. I've seen actually in the gym that I go to now, there were guys that were like being kind of creepy or like trying to like hit on girls while they were working out and they literally got kicked out. <laughs> so the gym has be, it has become, and I honestly think it always has been a very supportive, protective place. When you come to the gym and you are there to work, you're not there to film yourself and your workout and try and act all cutesy. You're not just staring at everybody being the creep in the room and you're not i guess like being the annoying one talking the entire time interrupting people's sets like if you're there to work if you're there to make yourself better you're in the group you are part of the team and people will treat you that way so never ever avoid the gym because you think that you're going to get judged or you're going to be feeling uncomfortable because yes, you may feel uncomfortable, but it more times than not, it's baseless. And it's a lot of assumption when you actually talk to people and 
start becoming part of the community, or you don't even have to talk to people. If people see you on your journey and see you having success, they're going to support you more times than not. So go to the gym, <laughs> stick it out for one, two, three times, and you'll build momentum and you'll keep going because the first time is always the hardest. When you get past that initial, like, I, I still get it too. When I, whenever I join a new gym, I'm thinking, what are people going to be like? Are they going to judge what I'm doing? And I'm coming up with every rationalization justification in my head. If somebody were to ask me, why are you doing that move? Like, why are you wearing this hat that says coach fits? Who are you? And I'm just, you play it in your head and you build up these, this anticipation that, and it never happens. It always ends up being more supportive. It always ends up being a better place than you think it'll be. So get in the gym, just give it a go and you'll see. Put in hard work, it'll pay off and people will notice. Topic number two is the idea that doing six or seven days of training or doing two a days is how you get the best results possible. I'm going to start this by saying the golden rule when it comes to picking your training split and how frequently you work out is you can only get better. You can, how, mm, no, there's a better way to say that. You are only as good as what you can adapt now. The golden rule is it's not about how much work you can do. It's about how much work you can do and recover from. Because when you recover, you adapt. And adaptation is what the goal is. That adapt adaptation is changing your body. And that's what we're going for. So six to seven days of training or doing two-a-days are typically seen in the bodybuilding space. And when it comes to the bodybuilding space, that area of fitness is muddy water when it comes to advice, because you get a lot of advice from people that are on performance enhancing drugs. And one of the things, the main reason that performance enhancing drugs work is because they allow you to recover at a rate that is not normal. Like it is an accelerated rate of recovery. So these people that are doing these leg days that are hours long, or they're doing these two-a-day workouts that drive their fatigue through the roof, they can be fresh the next day or two. If you're a normal person replicating those exact same workouts, it can destroy you for a week. You're not going to bounce back from that. And the likelihood of getting hurt by repeating that over and over again, by stressing your body to the point where it's not recovering and doing it week after week after week, just beats your body up. It doesn't get you any better and more almost across the board, it will lead to shittier results than if you did a three or a four day program where you hit just enough volume and you do everything that you need to do. The only caveat here is on the six days. So the only program or split that would work in this scenario for the best results possible would be like a push pull legs kind of split where you do like Monday push, Tuesday pull, Wednesday legs, Thursday, Friday, Saturday repeat, and then Sunday rest. But when you see the people that are like top of their game, the people that are the most educated, the ones that 
always are trying to get the best results. They even take extra rest days. One of the people that I get a lot of information from is a guy named Paul Carter. He goes by lift run bang on Instagram. And I think he's on TikTok now. And the guy is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to building muscle. And he does like where it's like a push pull, then he rests, then does legs, then rests, then does push. Like there's a lot of rest days in between because he understands that recovery is the name of the game. And you see it also with like other bodybuilding protocols, the ones that do the best always have rest days. And even if they are doing two days, like one person that's also very well known for doing like two day splits is Mike Isretel, the guy at uh, Renaissance periodization. He'll do like a morning routine and a night routine, but he'll only be training like four or five days a week with rest days in between because you can't keep a certain level of intensity up past a certain point. You just can't keep doing it and make progress because if you are doing six, seven days of hardcore gut-wrenching workouts in the name of the best results possible, your recovery is going to be absolute shit. You're going to burn yourself out. Your stress is going to go through the roof. Your body's going to fight back thinking like that it's under attack because now you've taken a stress, which is of working out, which can be a positive stress, a you stress and pushed it to the point where it's now a negative stress and it's, which would be considered a de-stress for those of you that don't know the two different types of stress, you stress, de-stress. We want the you stress. We want the good stuff, but you can only get it to a certain point. And this is also factoring in that majority of people are not living the way that a lot of bodybuilders are, that Paul Carter, Mike Isretel, like they're doing everything right. They are sleeping an adequate amount. They are eating damn near perfectly. Their stress levels outside of the gym are as are managed to the point that they can manage there's they're hydrating well most people are not doing that you can't do six seven days of training or two days if you sleep like shit if you're drinking every weekend if you're not getting enough water throughout the day if you're going to a food truck every day for for lunch instead of packing your meals or getting a quality meal from somewhere that has like quality food options so you just got to, it really comes down to awareness. Like what kind of person are you? Like, what can you manage? What is the best for you? Not how much work can I put in? Because the amount of work you can put in, what you're capable of is not optimal. Your upper limit is never optimal when it comes to training because that upper limit has diminishing returns. Yes, if you put in more work, say you go from like, two days in the gym to three days in the gym, you will see more progress. And then you go to four days in the gym, you will see progress. Then you go to five days, you might still see progress, but eventually it stops and it starts hurting you. So you got to find that point and you got to realize where you're at based on your recovery factors, your sleep, your nutrition, your hydration, and your overall programming too. You should be doing workouts that you feel better leaving than when you did walking in. You shouldn't be barely walking out, like hobbling, looking like a penguin, trying to get to your car. You shouldn't have to like hoist your arm up because it's dead and you can't lift it from all the shoulder raises that you did. 
that's the stuff that again, people that do things like in uh, performance enhancing drugs, like they can recover from that. Or if you're a 20, if you're a teenager or a 20 year old where your testosterone is at the point where it's basically like having performance enhancers, you can pull that off. You I've done it. You can, but as you age, the recovery process slows down. It's just what happens. It's a part of life and you got to acclimate for that. So if you're at that point where you're in later twenties, your thirties, forties, fifties, this is stuff that you have to consider. And you really got to take a hard look at your life and how you live and what you're capable of doing based on those factors. So for the, to answer that topic, six to seven days of training and doing two a days for 99.9% .9 of people is stupid. It doesn't work. If, if anything, it only hurts you. And the last topic is focusing on every single macronutrient and why that does not matter. What, I, what I'm talking about when it comes to macronutrients, there's three macronutrients. There's protein, carbs, fats. And together, they all equate to what your calorie total is for the day, for the week, whatever. A lot of people stress over every little gram. And I, again, speaking from experience, <laughs> there was a point in time where I hit my protein, carbs, and fats perfectly every single day for about four or five months straight when I was doing a bodybuilding show. In that context, yes, it does matter when you're trying to compete. However, if you're the average person who does not want to hop on a stage, get all greased up, get six layers of spray tan to the point where they are super duper dark and flex in front of a bunch of strangers that are going to judge them and tell them where their physique is lacking, then you don't need to do that. Or if you're not a competitive athlete, like an Olympian or a competitive level CrossFitter, notice I said competitive level, not if you just go to the box for the CrossFit box for your weekly classes. If you're at a competitive level where you are actually at a point where you're fighting for every little inch, every last like little bit that you can get to try and get you to that first place. That makes sense to count every single macro. More specifically, the carbs, because carbs really drive performance. That's in the context of everything else, like making sure that your protein is right. You have enough fats. That does matter. But for the average person, the only two things that matter are your calories first and foremost, because calories drive the bus. They, they are the reason that you're losing or gaining weight, plain and simple. And to make sure that if you're trying to lose weight or trying to build muscle, you're just trying to keep a healthy composition, your protein needs to be high enough. So those are the only two things that you need to focus on because carbs and fats, while they matter, they really don't. They can fluctuate. They can be, they can change depending on your eating preferences. Because if you're changing your, your eating patterns to try and hit a carbohydrate goal or a fat goal, and you're eating stuff that you're not really enjoying, or you're just not happy with having to try and make everything fit, your chances for adhering long-term to the diet 
are very, very low. You want to try and make this as as personal as possible, as customizable as possible to your lifestyle. And when you include things like a carbohydrate goal or a fat goal, that really limits your options and makes the process a lot harder. And they don't factor in when it comes to more or less fat loss. They've they've measured high carb versus low carb in different studies and found that it makes almost zero difference. And for those of you that are like, but keto says that you burn more fat doing this. Well, they're wrong. And if anything, it's the opposite because when you have more carbohydrates in your diet, you perform better in the gym, you have more energy outside of the gym and you end up burning more calories anyway than you would have cutting carbs out completely. So yes, if you're eating more fat, you will burn more fat because you're consuming more fat. Does that mean that it's going to come off your body? No, that would come down to the total calories because what matters is the balance at the end of the day. Are you in a caloric deficit or a caloric surplus? Just because you're eating more fat, that does not bend the rules of thermodynamics. And again, they have shown this in studies time and time again. That's why when you see these groups like these keto groups or just low carb groups, they always rely on mechanisms, not actual outcomes. They're like, but when your body does consume this fat, the oxidation levels are higher and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, okay, great. So did you test that? Like, did you put it into the lab and like actually test people on a low carb diet to show that they lost more fat than somebody who didn't? Oh, they did. And they found the opposite. So your mechanisms don't mean shit. They form a theory and then, or sorry, they form a hypothesis and then you test that hypothesis. That's the whole scientific method is you form a hypothesis based on what you think you know, and then you test it to find out if it's true or not. And guess what? It's not true. So for that reason, you don't have to stress the carbs. You don't have to stress the fats. As long as the calories are right, as long as your protein is high enough, you will be fine depending on whatever your goal is. Like if your goal is to build muscle or if your goal is to increase performance or if your goal is to lose body fat, those are the two big ones. And then if you are in that rare air of being very, very competitive and you want to perform your best, then you can focus on the carbs. Just make sure that the fat is like at least 20% and you're good. So that's all I have to say about that. That wraps it up for this one. I hope you guys learned something. Go kick some ass and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a five-star review. If you found the information helpful, go ahead and share it with somebody you think could use it too. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.